Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today, I want you to check out a discussion between Ted McElroy and Aaron Warner. And, you know, Ted has been a part of the podcast for a number of years. He does some fill-in and he's really helped to grow and build the podcast. Aaron, if you haven't heard him, we've had him on the podcast a couple times over, over the years, but he's got some really great insight into private practice and business metrics that are super helpful to the primary care independent OD. And uh, we are adding him. We're adding a weekly show with Aaron. And so I wanted you to check out the podcast that Ted and Aaron recently did. And we're going to release it just here on this channel. And please enjoy their conversation. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share with your friends, and support those who support us. Young and emerging presbyopes can be tricky. These patients want and need additional help at near, but they can be resistant to solutions that create even mild distance blur. The MyDay multifocal lens has been great for our presbyopic patients. It allows those patients to transition into a multifocal more easily. We've had this lens now for long enough that we've been able to see how simple transitions can be from an adaptation standpoint from lower ad designs to higher ad designs. The MyDay multifocal material is CooperVision's softest one-day hydrogel lens and features aquaform technology combining the unique balance of high oxygen permeability with natural wettability in one material. The result is a highly breathable lens that keeps our patient's eyes looking clear, white, and healthy. So if you haven't started utilizing MyDay multifocal in your practice, I'd encourage you to reach out to your CooperVision representative to get started. As you know, patients with vitreous floaters are often frustrated by their symptoms. The challenge as clinicians is to offer solutions for our patients for vitreous floaters that are effective. But more often than not, the options of YAG vitreolysis and vitrectomy are not practical because the benefits don't outweigh the risks. That's where vitreous health from MacuHealth comes into play. Previously on the podcast, I've discussed the FLIES study with Dr. John Nolan, and the bottom line is that I can be confident prescribing this for my patients with floaters because I can tell them a large randomized placebo-controlled trial found that after six months of supplementation with vitreous health, floaters were reduced in size by approximately 30%, and 70% of patients had an improvement in their symptoms. Vitreous health has been great for my patients, and we really feel like we have a viable option to treat patients with vitreous floaters now that we didn't have before. If you're not utilizing vitreous health for your patients, reach out to your Macchia Health representative now. All right, Ted. Excited we can uh, can make this work and get together here. And Me too, brother. This is, a, <laughs> this is a conversation I've been looking forward to having because uh, it applies to everybody. And it's something that's super relevant right now in my world and having those uh, those challenging, tough conversations. Yeah, you know, and the, the challenge with, with the conversations is, well, first of all, I mean, how many people just love having a challenging conversation? I'm not one of these people. I, 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 are you? I mean, do you like getting in it with people? I like it. I like a good debate on a, a, a friendly debate on a topic. Yeah. But I, I don't like the, I don't like the, the challenging conversations where there's got to be a loser at the end. 
Well, and I think that's part of the problem, too. I think we all tend to view those kind of conversations in the fact that there is a loser at the end. And I think that's part of the problem. So, you know, the first thing we got really to, to do is to is to find out what conflict is, you know, and to decide what conflict is really about. But the the one thing we can't do is we can't ignore these challenging conversations in conflict. And I'll, I'll give you a good example that has something that happened to me this morning. Well, actually started last night. So last night I got home from a, from a meeting I'd had with an accountant and Kristen's not in town right now. She's out of town. So it was just me. And I had uh, run inside real quick, changed clothes, go mow the grass, came back inside. And when I went in my closet and I'd already been in there, but I did it so quickly, I guess I didn't notice, but there was this kind of funky smell. It wasn't real bad. It was just a little bit funky. We had some little um, baby gates that we used to use to keep the dog from going from one place to the other. So I just stacked them up and closed off the closet so the cat didn't get in there. And this morning it smelled great. So I, I took the, you know, took the baby gates down, shut the closet door back, went to the gym, came back, and it smelled worse. Oh. You know, so now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what is this? So I, I start pulling clothes out, and sure enough, I found one of the little glue pads, and there's a dead mouse stuck on it. And that's kind of the same thing that happens with these conversations that we ignore and we don't take them on and we just sort of expect it. Oh, it's just going to get, it'll get better. You know, yeah. Or maybe, you know, or maybe it's come down to, well, they were just having a bad day or something like that. And instead of just confronting it and taking it on because conflict really truly is nothing more than just the pursuit of the best idea. If you really think about it. And, and that's why it, and I've had to frame it that way for myself because it's made it way easier to have the conversations that we have that are challenging with people. Um, I, I, I had actually with the, the accountant that I had a discussion with last night, it has a lot to do with some transition we're making in our practice. I'm, I'm selling 25% of my practice to my associate to oh, become congrats. a partner. And I'm, I'm totally excited about it, but yeah. Again, these are not easy conversations having because it gets really sticky when you start talking about money and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm having the conversation with the accountant about all these other things. And then, you know, Julia is the one that's been, has hired this accountant. And I just, I asked her not too long. I said, so, you know, what's, what's the deal with this guy? I mean, she, she is, he's not actually her accountant. He's somebody that she found out about that does this kind of stuff. And so last night I just, Point blank, I said, so, so how, how exactly are you getting compensated for all this? Yeah. I said, I just, you know, just, I'm just curious because I didn't hire you. I'm presuming she did. And he goes, yeah. He said, she's going to pay me. You know, and then I had asked her about what she was getting the charge for and she doesn't have a clue. That's so okay. there's, yeah, there's a conversation that needs to take place. Um, you know, that, that sparks a uh, thought and I'm going to jump around a, a little bit. The, um, and I, I, what I'm guessing is, is she, cause she doesn't know what's, uh, what he's going to charge her. I'm sure she has an idea in her mind of what it's going to cost. Yeah. Right. And I'll bet the, the real answer probably doesn't match up to what's in her mind. And the conflict there may come from just unmet expectations. Exactly. And, and I think that's where most of these difficult conversations come into play because you haven't set the groundwork early enough or, you haven't made known what your what your problems are. I mean, it, it came down to when again trying to bring my personal life back into all this stuff. When when Julie and I were getting down to really, I mean, we are so close right now, Aaron. We are like within you know 
a couple of tens of thousand dollars. I mean, we're that's how yeah. nitpicky it is. And, and she's your associate doctor that's buying it. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and I want to take really good care of her and she mm-hmm. wants to take really good care of me. So I want to make sure everybody understands that this is not that kind of thing, but we both have ideas of what we thought things should look like when we came into this. And had we not had those conversations, I can pretty much foresee that things would have come off the rails at some point in the future because we would not have had those conversations. We would have had an expectation. Well, I thought you were taking care of that, or I thought that was something that we had agreed upon. Well, no, it's not on this piece of paper, you know, or it's not on the discussions that we've had. And I I know that I'm, I'm very a a competitive person Mm -hmm. and the role that I take in my practice has not only a role of just seeing guests in the practice. I also have a role of being sort of uh, basically the CEO at this point and uh, an administrative role as well. So I'm not going to get compensated the same way I would as being uh, an eye doctor. So having to say that to Julia and get her to understand that there needs to be some sort of some sort of something that comes back my way for that is important also. Now she did understand that, but I don't think she understood what it meant to me until I actually talked about it. And then from that same aspect, I still want to be a doctor. Yep. And I said, what I would really don't want to have happen is that we start getting competitive about whose guest is that? Well, that's my guest. No, it's, it's my guest. I don't want it to come down to that. So we've got to figure out a way to have that not happen where we're still in this relationship um, and and in a a way where we can have those kind of conversations. And sometimes it's just saying stuff, you know, a lot of times when that fear is starting to come up, that probably is a good indication that you need to do something about it, not just to sit back and wait. And I've, I've almost used that as kind of, kind of that sign if I'm starting to get fearful about a conversation that's probably when I know I probably need to have the conversation that's a great point repeat that again so using fear Mm -hmm. is a really good indicator that you need to approach something now it's I want to make sure everybody understands this it's not (laughs) terror it is this you know fearful thought that you have that's coming up in your mind um, you're just kind of maybe worried about what the outcome's going to be. And the funny part about it is the unknown writes all these really crazy fairy tales about what's going to happen as you're going through this fear, you know? So, um, and everything that you really truly want is on the other side of that fear. Mm-hmm. So if you sit back and just let it control you, you're, you're not just going to end up with a situation that's not going to be tenable for, for either of you. So, and odds are they probably already know something's wrong. You know? oh, yeah. So to just go at least say something about it and get moving forward is probably the best thing you could do anyway. I like that. So for me, it's, it, I don't feel it so much as a fear, but I feel the, uh, uh, like heartburn. It's that acid oh, in yeah. my stomach, like that nervous anxiousness acid. And, uh, uh, I've always thought of that kind of as my check engine light, right? Where you got to do something, right? That's that, that yeah. warning that something's got to happen. So Aaron, what kind of, what kind of, um, difficult conversations do you tend to get into? Oh, well at home, I've got a list of them and usually it's all my <laughs> fault. Um, <laughs> the, uh, 
uh, with my uh, my business partner, and she's fantastic. Brittany's wonderful. Uh, the it's when we haven't talked enough, and when we have different ideas of of direction that we're going, and um, and usually she's much better at it than I am of reaching out and saying, "Hey, you know, let's grab ten minutes real quick," and uh, and my mind starts racing as to what it it might be, and, and it's always been really easy, really benign. We find out that we're, you know, eighty percent, ninety percent aligned most of the time. Yep. Um, but the times that we're not, it, we found that just whoever instigates that conversation alleviates most of the anxiousness and the fear, and then we talk through what it needs to be, and it, it has yet to become an issue where that right. we weren't able to hand. And most but, of the time, but we as were, you're having this conversation, you yeah. start having those fairy tales that start getting written uh-huh. about what this is going to be like, what's going to happen. All that kind of stuff, yeah. And uh, I, you know, it's it's how we manage the office, how we manage the the, the finances in the office. Um, you know, uh, money for being you know a piece of paper is has a lot of emotion tied to it. Oh yeah. And uh, so I think just understanding each other's needs and and what each other wants to get out of it and how we have to achieve that. Um, you know, we just did a, a in the in the middle of a big remodel, and she had looked at the. Uh, the PNL and we, it looks like we have a, a loss this year. Well, you take out the remodel and we're doing pretty darn good, right. but the remodel was, was big and we had saved for it. So it's not a, a financial detriment to the practice. Um, but her initial instinct of, you know, Hey, are you watching the PNL? And so we walked through what it was and explained it and she goes, okay, cool. Now I feel better. You know, now we're good. Um, yeah. So those, you know, those conversations and, and again, the thing that I always have to keep reminding myself is, if I'm having these feelings, I'm probably putting out something out there where they know something's wrong. And I can't say how many times I've had a, had one of these difficult discussions with someone and it's, it's like you can see that on their face. Okay. This has been a long time coming. Why is it taking this long for you to have this discussion with me about whatever it is, you know? And then it's, very rarely ever worse than what I have played it out to be. Uh, it's that whole, uh, I think it's Mark Twain's quote. Uh, you know, I've worried about a lot of stuff in my life and a couple of them actually happened, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what it's like for most of these conversations that are difficult. I, I've, I'm not saying they're easy, but I am saying that the, the other side of that conversation was so much better than I envisioned it being. Mm-hmm. And the outcome was way better than I ever expected it to be because I tend to, you know, awfulize everything and tend to put it in those. And I may portray myself as being very positive and I I kind of am, but I still have that little ugly person that lives inside of me that says, what if this is really really the answer? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. What if if monster is horrible? So I've got a, a conversation that, that I'm on the receiving end of that's challenging for me. And, and I hate these conversations because of, the emotion that's involved. And so that's when a staff comes and says, Hey, I would like a raise. Yeah. And if, if they're deserving, I'm all for it. If we can justify it, if they're deserving, the challenge comes from when I don't feel that they are deserving. I think they're being paid fairly for the work that they do. I, I, but I don't see anything more coming from them. I don't see additional effort. I don't see additional you know, value being given to the practice. I don't see additional trainings happening, you know, for whatever the reason. And I have to say no. 
And my no comes from a place of very, uh, very logical. I love my spreadsheets. I love my numbers. I love, I love data. Their request is coming from a place very emotional. You know, I give 110%. I try this. I try that. I've been here for X number of years. You know, I deserve, I deserve. So those conversations for me are, are challenging because I don't operate very well on an emotional level. One thing that I think would be helpful, and this is something I learned from a good friend of mine, a lady named Lisa Marker Robbins. She's uh, one of uh, members of one of the mastermind groups that I'm in. And she gave me one of the best ways to couch this and in a way that isn't, you know, trying to skirt around the issue, but it makes it really truly, and it takes the personal part out of it. And this is the phrase, the needs of the business are, and whatever you have to put in it's it, because when you're having that conversation with that person about the raise or a promotion or something like that, it's very difficult for them to separate you from the business. So yeah. to have uh, the understanding that you are now not representing you, Aaron Warner, you're representing, you know, your practice, your vision source practice there in San Diego. So the, I'm the, I'm the arbiter of everything that happens in this practice because I'm, when something goes wrong, my name's at the top of the list. So I am representing this business and I'm doing what's best for the business and the needs of the business are, are these things. Um, I have to do this because if I, if I put the needs of one over the needs of many, this organization is not going to do well. And that even comes to me. You know, I would yeah. love to be able to take every dime that we make here and put it in my back pocket, but we all know that doesn't happen. And I think down deep inside, they know that, but we also can't fault them for wanting to do more. And I guess the next question you come is, well, okay, I understand there's the needs of the business. So what can you do to satisfy those needs of the business to make this possible? What are, what has to be true for this to be possible for you? And if you can show me that, then we've got somewhere we can work. So I like that. I think that's where I go, but I don't have that. uh, I didn't have that bridge with the, uh, the, the bigger picture. Yeah. So what was that phrase that the, the needs of the needs of the, the business needs are? of the business are dot, 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 you know, you just put in whatever you need to have in there because that's, again, you're, you have a fiduciary responsibility for that business. If, if it goes under your name still at the top of the list, even though you can file for bankruptcy or whatever, yeah. you know, you're still going to be one of the one that carries the bucket with all the stuff in it. Oh, They're absolutely. Not. And as much as my kids love cup of noodles and top ramen, I don't want to eat that. Right. The next couple of years. Well, what do you hear? Because I know that uh, it, it, you've, uh, you've you've shared this, you know, how to manage conflict uh, presentation a couple times, and, and it, you, you've been a go-to for me on how to handle some things. What do you hear from people as some of the most challenging conversations or conflicts that, that they get into? I think a lot of it is is holding people accountable for the known responsibilities, um, you know, and, and then the excuses that come along with it. And let me make sure everybody understands. I'm not immune to to any of this. I am, I am horrible in in my own eyes at this. I feel like I'm just fail at it constantly. I let things go a little bit too long. I'm long suffering. Um, my team will tell you this on a regular basis, you know, and, and you get reminded of it by your team, I'm sure, too. But a lot of it comes down to, you know, this is what they agreed to do mm-hmm. and this is what they're not doing. The, the fact is, though, is more often than not, those same kind of things are happening 
with the individual that's bringing you the challenge. What you can't do is throw it back up in their face and say, yeah. well, you know, so having the conversation and making sure everyone knows where the, where the guardrails are, you're, you know, you're staying, you, you don't want to get right next to the guardrail because you're going to scratch the car. You want to make sure you're staying well within the road. And this is what we agreed it was going to do. And, and again, going back to that same phrase again, the needs of the business are these things. It's especially true with this, say this individual that just came to you and said, wow, I'm, I'm knocking it out of the park. They, they have a misconception of what, what the expectations are. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult to tell them that they're not, it, it's not good enough. Right. And I think that's the phrase sometimes that we also need to use a lot more often is, I understand what you're doing. You feel as though you're really, you know, giving your all, but it's really just not good enough. And I have so many expectations for you. That's why I brought you here. You know, I know you're capable of these things. So what can I do to help you to get to this level? Or, you know, and more often than not, when they start hearing that, they say, oh, okay, I understand, you know, or... You know, they come up with some maybe some other expectation that they have that you may be able to help fulfill. But making sure that this conversation continues to keep happening and no matter how emotional it starts to get, to spend time to sit back and really just listen first before you start answering, which is what I always try to do. I'm a fixer. I, I jump in and you know give an answer. And the, the best phrase I've learned in so many years is, what would you do in this circumstance? And let them tell me where they would start as opposed to me just jumping in and fixing it. And I think that's probably a, a really good place because now you both become a part of the solution, not just you're giving them the solution. One of the challenging things with patients is that when they invest in a really high quality pair of glasses and customized lenses, occasionally it can be difficult to keep those lenses clean, scratch-free, and smudge-free. Now, we have the ability with Crizal Sapphire HR lenses to offer our patients a best-in-class anti-reflective coating that is also resistant to scratches, smudges, and deposits. This means that patients spend more time enjoying clear and comfortable vision and less time caring for their lenses. So remember that you can provide patients with the best in quality, best in class, transparency, clarity, durability, and UV protection in a single Crizal coating. If you want to learn more about Crizal Sapphire HR, contact your Essilor account executive or visit EssilorPro.com backslash Crizal. Makes a lot of sense. I think that's where our greatest disappointments come from too when okay. we think the expectations are, are understood and maybe they are, and then they're just not being met. Right. And there's a feeling of betrayal, a feeling of letdown and all of that, whether it's my kids or, or certainly my employees or partners at work. Thankfully it's few and far between when that happens. But, but thankful, you know, the, the, again, going back to the original point here about conflict, I mean, this really truly is the pursuit of the best ideas. If you never had a, a discussion about how you discipline your children with your mate and you do it way differently than they do, things are not going to go well. If you never had the discussion about where money goes and how you use it in your marriage, it's not going to go well at some point. You know, you're going to have a boat in the front yard that you don't need. And (laughs) she's been doing a really good job at managing the, you know, the rest of the money. Yeah. 
you know, it, it, it's got to it's got to come down to having those discussions and getting them out in the open. And and um, the best ideas truly do come out of out of conflict. And when you start seeing conflict in your business happening, for those of us that are all conflict diverse, which is like every optometrist I think I know of almost, yeah. let it happen. Almost stir the pot a little bit. Say, hey, I see there's something here. Let's talk about this a little bit, especially in your office meetings. It's amazing what comes out of these conversations when you let people just get into it a little bit. I mean, it can't get ugly, obviously. Right. But play referee, get them to talk about what's on their mind. And once they can get these things out, they can now disagree and commit. They can have a a disagreement about something. And because they've had their opportunity to say what they want to say, they can actually commit to the idea. And, I mean, you've done that many times. I'm sure I've done it you know, plenty of times. People, I, I didn't agree with the way we were going, but that's the way the group wanted to go. So that's where we're going. You know what's interesting is in my role at, that I've taken in Vision Source, where it's pulled me out of the patient care. Um, used to be in patient care five days a week. Now I'm in you know a day a week. And uh, the rest of the time mostly is spent... Uh, developing and, and making sure that we are rolling out, you know, good learning and development opportunities for the vision source folks. Um, but the, the less I've been there and the more I've had to delegate and let others spread their wings and, and shine, um, the better we've done, which oh, at yeah. first was a gut punch. The, uh, cause I thought it was, it was all me. And then I realized I was the one holding it back. Um, so now I flipped it and said, I'm the genius that let everybody spread their wings. And so it's still, it's still me feeds my ego. It's a great right. feeling. It, it is a good feeling, and there's there's more money in the bank, so everybody's happier. The uh, but it, how do you? Because I know how I handle it in our office, uh, and, and how do you handle that that team conflict? If there's an issue, whatever the case may be, you're you're changing your systems, you're changing your flow, you're adjusting your schedule, whatever it is, um, and, and there's some pushback, there's some conflict, differences of opinion. How do you handle that in a team meeting setting? Well, first thing you have to do is you have, there's got to be a groundwork of trust set there somewhere. So somewhere along the way, you've got to build trust with the rest of your team or you're not going to get conflict. People are not going to, you know, step into the ring Mm -hmm. if they don't trust each other. So that has to come first. And once you've, how do you develop that trust? Oh, well, I mean, I'll give you a really simple, uh, Pat Lencioni has got a great thing. He does. It's just a, it's a team effectiveness exercise where, and we did this in the span of about an hour and a half. You just tell your personal story. Um, it's three questions, real simple. Where were you born? Um, how many siblings do you have and where are you in the birth order? And tell a story about a time you had to overcome something as a child. And the leader has to go first. Uh, it's a very vulnerable place to be. Um, and if you're willing to show the vulnerability, then you're going to get this trust built up with your team. And I have seen this time and time again, the ones that don't embrace this exercise and don't get vulnerable, they tend to be the ones that don't do conflict well. They tend to not hang around the practice very long. Hmm. They don't fit in because they don't show that vulnerability. But what you find out is, uh, and we've done this in situations where there has been some conflict or, or just really rough feelings with each other, um, done an offsite meeting, and two people who were just 20 minutes ago at each other's throat are now crying together because they have something that's amazingly in common about 
this thing they over both overcame as a child. Maybe it was illness. Maybe it was a divorce of parents. Maybe it was homelessness. I mean, I've, I've had that in our practice, you know, and, and you also start seeing people for who they truly are because that's what built them to be who they were. Mm-hmm. And so it explains a lot, you know, explains why every time I walk up from you in exhibit hall floor, you get so upset because you have this abandonment issue that you have that went back to your, your dad, you know, yeah. or something along those kind of lines. Um, but once you've gotten through that, and I know I went into a little bit more than you wanted to know, but you got to have good. that first. But the conflict um, has to take place, and there has to be uh, a say-so. Everybody has to have an opportunity to say. And when you've got somebody who's not saying something, you have to draw them out and say, Aaron, I, I see you're not, you know, you haven't really given me anything on this either way. I need to know what your thoughts are. Um, because not having the chance to say what you have to say leads into a conversation after the meeting where everybody walks away and, you know, I say, well, you know, I really didn't want to get into this anyway. I just, yeah. I wasn't going to say anything, but this isn't going to work, you know. And, and that kind of sabotage is not like you see in the movies where it's, you know, this, I'm going to blow the whole place up. It's, <laughs> it's a lot more boring, but a lot more damaging than yeah. that because it takes that, trust away from your organization and people start seeing that they, now they can't trust this individual because we all agreed that we were going to do this. Yeah. Um, but you know, after you've had this conflict, after you've again, stirred the pot a little bit. And again, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, since I've gone through this process now, when we are having a meeting and there's a little bit of, you can start seeing bubble up. I'll just say, Hey, I, I see you guys aren't agreeing on this. So let's talk about this. Let's, let's really get this out. And the kind of conflicts that we have for the most part now are not about each other. They're about things. Yeah. If you don't have conflict about things because you don't want conflict to happen, you'll have conflict about people. Mm-hmm. It will happen. You know, so that's where gossip starts coming into play and gossip will burn your practice to the ground. Yeah. So I like cold having, cost. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just terrible. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's horrible. One thing that I, because we handle it similar, we want to make sure everybody contributes. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan, of, fan of flip charts. Like I, uh, oh, yeah. I stole it from, from you know, Mick and Mike and, uh, and the flip chart kings. Uh, and I know you're a fan of them too. I think there's power in putting somebody's words on a piece of paper in front of the group. Mm-hmm. It, it, it acknowledges them. It recognizes that their, their thought had value. And, um, and then when you have all the thoughts up there, it, usually makes it a lot easier to get to at least we found a a resolution um, because everybody's seeing it's no longer your idea or my idea. It's the idea that's on, you know, the third one listed on the flip chart is the one we want to go with. Exactly. You know, and then once you've gotten all that on there and people have had this opportunity to say what they have to say, you know, that's when you go around and you get commitment from everybody and it has to be a vocal yes or no commitment. And, um, I know it sounds difficult to do this, but we go for unanimous decisions in our practice. Um, wow. You know, so when it, 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 it comes down to the fact of, okay, I did not agree with this, but I'm committed to this because this is important to the group. And, you know, that's, I make sure everybody understands that. Yes, mm-hmm. your, you know, your disagreement has been registered. We yep. totally understand it. But this is the direction we're going. So we're either going to go without you or with you, or we got to figure out a way to get this fixed so you can get on board with it. 
mm-hmm. because what you can't have is three people saying they're on it and then everybody else saying, no, I'm, I'm against this completely. I can't do that. No. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. We use the bus analogy. Just tell them the tour bus is going somewhere and, you know, that's where the bus is going. So as right. long as you want to go there too, you know, hop on. We got refreshments. We got snacks. It'll be fun. But if but, that's not where you want to go, we need to find you a different bus. Yeah. And the other thing that happens too is when you made this decision, you've made this commitment, then everybody on the team has to be willing to hold everybody else accountable. And, you know, that's the part that's the diff- most difficult part is knowing that everyone, not just the leader, everybody has to hold everybody else accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you get that real trust and I mean, I'm going to say the word that people don't like to talk about in the business, but love that you get from people that truly care about each other and are willing to, you know, take on the gates of hell with a water pistol for each other. Yeah. Well, that's what turns it from a job to a, to a profession. Right. I think it's, um, they're committed. They have, a, they, they understand their role. They're playing their role. Um, I like the verbal. Yes, though. It reminded me of sitting in the exit row of the airplane where the flight attendant comes by and yeah. we know our job, but you know, I need to hear the yes from each of you, um, which is, is annoying maybe, but kind of cool that it's, it's that important. We're going to, to address it on an individual basis. It's also very hard to turn around after you've said yes to something and now go out and say, I didn't agree with it yeah. because you had your opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is that commitment. It's as good as writing it on a piece of paper, you know, because you said yes. And um, I would say that the majority of the world, once they put a commitment to something or at least said they were going to commit to it, they're going to have a hard time not staying with that. I would agree with that. Well, this has been fun. So uh, conflict went from... uh something potentially maybe to avoid at the beginning to, you know, the right kind of conflict, something to look forward to. Right. It's just the pursuit of the best idea. Well, very cool. Well, hopefully you figured out your, uh, your mouse issue. Uh, I live in an old house. <laughs> there are holes and there will be more mice, unfortunately. But yeah, we've, we've, uh, we, I've at least got the smell taken care of. So that's, that's, well, my that's wife good. will come home to a nice smelling closet. And it makes for good stories later. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you appreciate what a good smelling closet has when, uh, when you <laughs> are smelling a dead mouse. Um, yes. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Ted, I really appreciate uh, the time and, uh, and the insight into managing conflict. And I really appreciate what you do for, for the profession. We didn't get, get into any of that, uh, but I know that, uh, that you play a big role. You've been a mentor of mine and, and many others. So thank you. Thank you. And it's, it's been my pleasure being here with you today, Aaron. And, and uh, You know, I do this because I love it. I love sitting down and having great conversations with great people. So thank you.